and don't have much to say. Thank you for joining me. I'm Mike Lyons. I'm not important and don't have much to say. On tonight's episode, I will speak live with Lisa Sarges about her journey to living a healthier life and loving herself. Lisa will discuss her weight loss surgeries, the struggle to love herself, the publication of her book, and what the future holds for her health. Before we begin discussing this sensitive topic, I want to ensure listeners that Lisa has given me permission to ask any question. I have also read her book and have reflected on her words over the course of several weeks leading up to this interview. I intend to enter conversation with an open mind and will continue reflection long after this interview ends, and I hope that you do the same. Uh, without further ado, I would like to introduce Lisa Sarges. Lisa, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, so let's get, let's get started. Now, um, I would like to first give our listeners a very broad overview, a timeline, if you will, of the surgeries that you have undergone and the, this process of weight loss, gain, um, and also your, your inner struggle leading up to now. I know that's a long, broad period of time. If you could give us a sort of simplified rundown so listeners can understand. Okay. Um, well, I did begin using food for comfort at a very young age, um, classified now as a binge eating disorder. Mm -hmm. And when I moved out of my parents' house and I could uh, eat food freely, I certainly did. And uh, that was my drug of choice. And I, I gained a lot of weight. So at age 23, I sought um, help for the overeating and for the weight gain. Um, I was 300 pounds at the time and was concerned. So I had lap band surgery. Um, they call it lap band, but it wasn't lap, laparoscopic at the time. It was a full incision. Right. Okay. So I had that at age 23. Um, I lost 100 pounds very easily uh, because of the restriction, but the band slipped and the weight came back um, double. So I was over 400 pounds in 2006. This is now many years later. Right. And I had a gastric bypass, which, uh, again, it helped initially, but I still had the disorder where I reach for food to self-soothe, mm -hmm. and that's that's a very short. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we don't want to. Um, you know, the one thing when I was uh, reading your um, your book um, is that this is a very complicated um, issue and cannot be simplified in any way. Um, so that's certainly not what we want to, to put out there is that we're, you know, just simplifying uh, this really complicated issue. But we do want to definitely get like just the rundown of, of this process. And now I'd like to talk to you a bit um, deeper about your, your experience um, and particularly about this wonderful book that you have written. Uh, it's called Diary of a Fat Girl, How I Lost 140 Pounds overcame binge eating disorder and learned to love myself after weight loss surgery. Um, and it, uh, could you talk to us a little bit about this? Is, is it correct that this is actually based on a blog that you were writing? Yes. I wanted to track my progress. I didn't want to do this without an audience. People had said when I had the, uh, the gastric bypass that, Oh, you're mm -hmm. taking the easy way out. And 
There was nothing easy about it, not the surgery, not the discipline, not anything that followed. So I said, let me write about it. Let me write about it every day, which I did for almost 10 years. Mm, wow. That's a lot of writing. It so is. The book, <laughs> the, the book is only that first year, the first yes, year after right. gastric bypass. And it's fascinating. What I, I loved about it, um, I didn't know how I went. I, you know, when I started reading it, I didn't know how to feel about it. So, okay, am I reading like blog entries here? And then how is this really going to be? And how, how can I relate to it? But you talk about, I think, not only just like this personal experience that honestly, I can't relate to. Um, and I think that's also important. Um, one thing that I was really thinking heading into this um, conversation that I know I was having with you is that I am a person that um, in many ways, I cannot relate to the things that you are talking about, um, which is why I really prompted the listeners tonight that I'm really going in as a listener and a learner um, and, and through questioning to help me understand more. But one thing that I connected to first and foremost was there is a sense of, um, and I don't want to be, you know, too, you, you go into dark places in the book, um, uh, certainly. So I found issues of, of abandonment that I actually really related to. Um, and that was one of the first things I wanted to talk to you about is, do you think that there's a connection in any way between being overweight and feelings of abandonment? Yes. Well, I can only speak of my experience and what I know of others. Right. Um, some people have abandonment fears. Most people do. Nobody wants to be abandoned, but right. when someone like me has abandonment terror, um, the terror of being rejected, uh, the terror of being, living in one's own mind. Uh, mm -hmm. One wants to self-soothe in any way they can. So I don't think uh, reaching for food is too much different than reaching for any other substance that is going to numb the difficult feelings. Right. Food mm -hmm. itself it gives a kind of woozy satisfaction when you overeat. Um, it's almost, I've heard other people, and I would describe it this way myself, it's like being hugged from the inside. It's like having mm -hmm. a presence with you. So it's it's comforting in that way, but it's also a way to punish oneself because overeating uh, to the point of, of pain is mm -hmm. also a way to self-punish. So it's the complicated issue of self-soothing and self-punishing. Right. And one is not alone when one has their substance of choice, you know, active. Right. I wanted to ask you specifically a little bit about that. One thing that I, um, something that I like a lot that you, you said to me when we were planning this out was, you know, you can ask me anything. And I said, oh, I'm, I was so happy you, you, that you gave me the permission because then when I started reading the book, I did struggle with a couple of things while I was reading. So I wanted to bring that, that up. Um, the, the one thing is, and I'm connecting this to, to the abandon, abandonment, and I'm, it's certainly in no way whatsoever suggesting that, that this is the cause in any way, but you do struggle a bit with your relationship with your parents in, uh, in this book. You talk about that a lot. And as a reader, there was many times where I, I really um, I, I became so engrossed in what you were writing that I really almost wanted to start shouting at the book. Um, don't, don't do that, Lisa. No, um, you know, stop. Um, and it just, it felt almost as if, um, the thing that was frustrating for me that you, you continued to go back 
to, and it sounds crazy as I'm saying it, but you kept going back to your parents. And of course, why wouldn't you? Um, but that's something that really frustrated me as a reader. I kept saying, well, why does she keep, um, she, she goes and has what she thinks is going to be a nice experience. She says something nice to them and then it usually somehow gets turned around and then she gets hurt by it. And it, it was almost like hurting me to see it happen. Could you talk a little bit about um, so we can get it out of the way. Cause what I really want to talk to you about is um, healthy eating, changing your life, inspiration, and talk about the future. But we, we do need to talk about the relationship with the parents and how that might have played a part um, in your eating and, and weight gain or loss. Could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Now my poor mother um, suffers from borderline personality disorder. Mm-hmm. And so she's emotionally about three years old. And when you're raised by a woman like that, you anticipate uh, the other shoe dropping at all times. Peace is not an emotion that's comfortable or normal. Mm. So anytime I would feel any kind of peace or accomplishment, I would seek to self-sabotage it. Now, I didn't understand that I was doing that at the time. It's only now Mm -hmm. in hindsight, now that I've educated myself, that I understand. Right. So why would I continue to go seeking approval from someone who never gave it. Yeah. It's because it's a self-worth issue. I don't deserve to be approved of. I, I don't mm-hmm. deserve to be, you know, comforted or to take care of myself. And so I go to the very source of that original discomfort, which would be my borderline mom. Right. Yeah, uh, um, ha- have things gotten better with her? Yes, because I learned to draw boundaries. I learned to scream at her. Mm-hmm. Now, this, it, it sounds strange, <laughs> but uh-huh. when you grow up with this type of mother, you actually have the fear that if you fight back or talk back, that mm. you will now be abandoned for that. And that's exactly what a person like her will do. They will cut you off. They will cold shoulder you. They'll cut, cut right. you off financially. So the fears were very much grounded. So it was always about appeasing and pleasing her mm. in order to, to keep myself alive. You also you say something really nice towards um, I believe it's towards the end of the book. Um, if uh, may I read a very uh, brief excerpt from the book? Sure. Um, you say when I'm spending time with my mother, despite my anger over incidents from my childhood, I'm able to enjoy her for who she is, and we have a good time. I won't let the bad memories prevent me from making new happy memories. Would you like to? I know that, you know, it says it, but could you reflect on that a little bit further uh, sure. for us? Um, given that she's a three-year-old, uh, <laughs> emotionally, uh, children are fun. Mm-hmm. And if you don't play into their drama, if if one depersonalizes it, now this is not an easy thing to do, and I don't even recommend it, but if I don't take what she says personally, and right. understand that it's just her disorder talking rather than her spirit and her soul then I can relax and be more of the parent to her and, you know, um, just have fun with her. I don't want to go no contact with my mom. Now, as right. a therapist and a counselor, I might recommend no contact to somebody who came to me with the issues I've had. Mm-hmm. But I want to um, learn how to draw boundaries with her so that I don't mm-hmm. continue these patterns out in the world with other people. Right. And it's a personal choice, too, I guess, for each individual and sort of based on the relationship with the person, whether or not they would, you know, have avoid that this person or, you know, try to continue on with boundaries as 
as you've discussed. So I think that's something that I think we can apply to everything that we're talking tonight, that um, it's really not just um, one thing that's going to solve a problem for everyone, that um, we really need to um, listen to you and learn from your experience and see how we can fit it in our own lives. Would you, would you agree um, that that's what you found in your own experience? Yes. So, for instance, um, I had severe, and it was partially inherited and partially from, you know, being heavy all my life. I had to get mm-hmm. my knees replaced. Um, and when I was talking to her about doing it, she was just horribly discouraging and how mm-hmm. dare I, you know, want to live a pain-free life and I'll just right. need new knees, it's not going to work. You know, she was awful about it. And one has to say at this point, stop running things past her. Mm-hmm. She's not going to be supportive. Run it past people who are more sane and supportive. Right. So I no longer go to her for approval. She's not going to give it. She doesn't know how. Why would I keep going to a well that's dry? Right. Um, one thing that you also mentioned, you know, sort of the uh, the self sabotage. You brought that up. Uh, you you also mentioned. And I think now I'm, we're going to move more into sort of like the um the emotional, personal em- emotional um, struggle that that you have experienced. Um, I found it very interesting that you mentioned that you, at the time in the book, that you fat bashed yourself. Um, and I really thought, you know, how do we avoid becoming our own enemy? Um, could you talk a little bit about, you know, your own negative feelings towards yourself at the time, you know, you were writing th- this blog? Yes. Um, I give seminars now, and one of the tools that I teach, you know, my attendees, uh, I tell them to. Listen to that voice in your head. Sometimes it's so automatic that you don't even, you're so used to it, you don't notice it. So you have to notice the voice in your head and ask this question. Here's the tool. Whose Mm -hmm. voice is that? Because Mm. it's not your own voice. It's the internalized voice of whoever insulted and hurt you. And so when I'm looking in the mirror, so uh, that first year I was at the gym, and there's mm-hmm. mirrors all over this gym. I don't know why they have to have mirrors at this gym, but okay. <laughs> Ugh, to make the room look bigger, I guess. And I was just disgusted looking at myself. I made, uh, I was disgusted at the shape of my belly. I was disgusted mm-hmm. at the shape of my thighs. I thought, who do I think I am going out in public looking like this? It was so painful, the self-beatings I gave myself for being, I don't even know what word to use, fat, overweight, you know, heavy, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever the word is. And it wasn't until later that I learned to say, I, I looked at um, fat, acceptance, fat acceptance blogs. I follow mm-hmm. uh, body positivity uh, people on Instagram and learned to look at different body shapes and find them beautiful and to ignore the messages of the media and flat abs and all these unrealistic beauty mm-hmm. standards that very few can achieve as that's the only way to be beautiful. Right. And to find beauty in my own shape. This takes skill, (laughs) Mm -hmm. it takes practice, and it takes a lot of compassion and kindness standing in the mirror and saying, God, you're beautiful, and I love you. It took me years to learn how to do that. But you practice it, and then you get better at it. I found very interesting, I I think this is fascinating that you brought up the mirrors, because one section that I actually, I highlighted here, and I marked down that I said, I have to talk about this. There are so many times in the book when you you're speaking positively about yourself and I'm thinking, wow, she got this, you know, uh, the, the surgery is working and she's eating healthy. She's actually, 
she's seeing progress and she's feeling the progress and she's so happy. And then you look at yourself in a mirror or you see yourself in a picture and it seemed to crumble apart almost. And, um, it it was such an up and it was really like a roller coaster reading the book. Um, because you, you'd go up so high and then, you know, I don't want to say crash, you know, cause it's certainly, but it would feel that way as a, as a reader. Why is, why is that happening? Why, why were you getting these feelings? Like, you know, I'm making it, I'm doing it. And then you see yourself and, and then suddenly, you know, you're unhappy with yourself again. Well, it has to do with perfectionism. So mm-hmm. uh, working out, dieting, and everything I was doing uh, in my mind at the time should have equaled a more acceptable, socially acceptable, and self-acceptable body. And right. instead, I, I saw exactly what I was shaped like and right. found it disgusting. Well, I had never replaced that, that narrative. I had never mm-hmm. told myself anything different. So what should I feel when I look in the mirror? The old programming is going to automatically kick in and tell right. me how disgusting I am. You have to actually replace those negative narratives in your mind or else they're just going, that's the only thing that's going to, to speak when one looks in the mirror. And that, right. that takes daily, daily practice. Um. Now, one thing that I want to say, because your description of yourself in that mirror, and I don't have the exact quote, but I remember it because I have a very vivid picture in my mind of you describing yourself. And you you equate yourself to looking like a, a piece of fatty ham. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it's this really, it's very descriptive. And there's, there's points throughout the book. Um, and I also, uh, I do have to inform people that I followed your blog during most of this process because I have known you for, for quite some time. Um, and um, you've been criticized for sort of some of the things that you say or the way that, that you've handled things. Um, and also for your descriptions of your, of yourself um, or almost that you're um, too frank sometimes. What, what do you say um, to people who make those kinds of criticisms to you about this topic? Not much, because mm-hmm. um, Why? <laughs> I think that it's important to tell the truth, whatever that truth is at the moment. Right. How would anybody else say, yeah, me too? How would anyone else identify if I wasn't completely mm-hmm. frank? So, yeah, uh, you know, I... I said ham fat, I think I, I described myself yeah. as. But you know what? Ham is delicious. No offense to anybody <laughs> who's halal or kosher out there. No offense. But ham is a delicious and delightful food. And whenever, you know, if you happen to like that food, if you see it on the table mm-hmm. prepared and ready to eat, do you, are you disgusted? No. You're like, mmm, yummy. Mm-hmm. So why would, I, why would I say anything negative about myself? Do I look like ham? No. But let's say I did. Mmm, yummy right that's the new narrative <laughs> one other thing that i noticed and it was also uh, in the in the gym is one, one of the one of the chapters where, where you're in the gym and i thought i said to myself ah this is where everyone can now access um what lisa is talking about there is a a trainer who is exercising near you in in the gym and you are, um, I'm, I'm going to give a little description of the chapter, and you are 
admiring this person. Um, and you sort of want to say something to her, but you're not sure. And she eventually engages in conversation with, with you and compliments you. Um, and the one thing that I thought was so fascinating was that she was there because she needed to keep up with the younger, skinnier uh, girls who are also trainers. And, um, and that just, I, I was blown away, away by that because it really shows how we judge the assumptions we make of others. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and how, um, how that moment could really uh, apply to all of us? What can we all take from that? This is one of my favorite stories, and I still tell it in class to this day. There's this, she had a blonde ponytail, I'll never forget, and it used to swish between her shoulder blades like a windshield wiper. It's, it's like her head had a life of its own, and the ponytail was swish, swish, swish. And she <laughs> couldn't just run on the treadmill. No, she hopped sideways. It was the mm. most bizarre thing I'd ever seen. This girl was super fit, and it seemed like whenever she walked near me, she would kind of like scooch away so as not to brush into me and look disgusted at me as she passed, as mm-hmm. if to think that maybe the fat was, going, was contagious. And I had this whole story in my head about what this girl was doing. And I judged her so harshly. I'm like, you have it so easy, you and your flat abs and your mm-hmm. squishy ponytail. And who, who do you think you are judging me? And I was teaching Buddhism that day, later that day in class, and I thought to myself, here I am. I'm going to go to class and tell a story about having compassion for everyone, and I'm judging this poor girl. You know what? For right. the sake of my students, I promise that I'm going to talk to her one of these days. Mm-hmm. The moment I had that thought, she locked eyes with me and walked over. Wow. This wow. is, I exaggerate not even a little. This is exactly how it happened. Now, I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. I was bullied all my life. So here's right. this athletic girl with the ponytail coming over to me. I thought she was going to smack me one. Right. <laughs> right? Like the, all the old, you know, fears come from junior high come in. And she comes over to me. She's like, I just wanted to tell you I am so impressed with you. I see you here toughing it out every day. And I just wanted to say way to go. I really just admire your commitment. Now, she's saying, she, she was gushing, you know, as she's saying all yeah. this. Yeah. And there I am. I'm covered in sweat. I started to cry. And good thing mm-hmm. I was sweating, so it covered up the tears. <laughs> I'm crying as this girl is just blessing me. And as she got closer, now I'm seeing her up close. She wasn't young. Mm-hmm. And she stuck her hand out. She's like, I'm Sean. Mm. And she shook my hand. And, and I said, Sean, thank you so much. And she started talking to me about her story. She was a single mom with three kids, uh, recently divorced, trying to keep her house. She had an office job, but she, in the mornings and after work, she was training just to be able to pay her mortgage. And she told me that she had to do this second job, and she had to work extra hard, you know, to, to, to stay in shape, to compete with, you know, the younger trainers. And it, she was just so frank and sweet and humble and when I went home, I looked up the name Sean, mm-hmm. and in, in Gaelic, because she, she was Irish, and I looked it up, and the word Sean means gift from God. Wow. And I thought, That's oh, amazing. my God, this girl was a gift from God, and I had judged her, and all this time, and the reason she was scooching away from me was because she was covered in sweat, and she didn't want to get her sweat on me. 
Right. <laughs> it had nothing to do with her being disgusted. It was nothing. Every story I had in my head about her was absolutely false. That's amazing. Wow. You don't know someone's story until you talk to them. Thin, fat, it doesn't matter. People who seem to have it all together, I don't think anyone does. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Everyone's got their issues. And that leads me to um, one of my next questions. Do you ever see a time where we are all going to be able to just accept ourselves, no matter our, our shape or size? I don't know if I'll live to see it, hmm. but I have a feeling that humanity is moving to a new place. Uh, we're seeing all the growth, the growing pains of it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, people who are who are struggling to be seen as legitimate people in society, whether you know it's because of race, color, creed, transgender, body size, and because of social media. Everybody says, "Oh, social media is so bad." No, no, it's a way for us to connect hear each other's stories and to have compassion for one another and to educate one another. And I think as the generations go on, our diversity is just going to be something that we expect from humanity. And as our, as we interbreed, like the races, mm-hmm. it's going to be a non thing. It won't even be a checkbox on an application or anything anymore because there won't be such a thing. We will be the human race. Right. Wow. Um, we're gonna uh, we're gonna head into a little break, but Lisa has uh, said she would stick around. Um, we have a lot more to talk about, actually. Um, when we come back, um, I'd like to ask you uh, a, a bit about actual eating, healthy eating. I'd like to talk to you a bit about where you're at right now in in your life uh, with your with your health, both physically, mentally, um, and emotionally. Um, and then uh, I'd like to have a little, a little fun and ask you a couple tough questions. Will you hang around? I certainly will. Thank you so much. Uh, so we are going to be right back with Lisa Sarjays. Uh, up next, uh, I have a great song um, by Everything Falls called Daylight Takes the Dawn. If you'd like to call in, if you have questions for Lisa or for me, uh, feel free to call in at 516 516- Three eight seven one two three zero. Again, that's five one six three eight seven one two three zero. Again, here's the song Daylight Takes the Dawn by Everything Falls. Enjoy. Feel, feel your love 
What a great song. Thank you so much, Everything Falls. That's Daylight Takes the Dawn. I'm Mike Lyons. I'm not important, and I don't have much to say. Uh, I am going to continue my live interview with Lisa Sarjays. Lisa, thank you so much for hanging around and coming back for, for some more talk with me. Great. That was a great song, by the way. Absolutely wonderful. A uh, great, uh, great band, and they're, they're active and performing, so people should look them up and, uh, and check them out. Um, one thing that I wanted to ask before we get into, I have some more um, personal questions for you, but one thing we were sort of talking a, a bit about society um, and societal expectations. And there was a part in the book that I, I really, it got me thinking and I wrote down some notes about it and I would like to uh, just share a little bit about what I, I thought when I was reading it. And if uh, you think I'm full of crap, let me know um, or respond, just <laughs> whatever you want. Um, but there's an instance where um, you're in the shower in the book and you talk about pain dominating your thinking. And when pain was gone, when you were no longer experiencing pain, you had time to think and to be um, almost more, more productive. And I really looked at it as I, and I thought to myself, I wrote down this note. I said, Lisa has access, access to live now. And it made me think on a grander scale um, that people who are overweight and go through the physical pains or or emotional pains, um, all the pain that comes with it, in many ways get shut out of participating in society on a larger scale. Um, What do you think about that idea? Well, first let me address the pain issue. Um, Now, remember, I was writing this in 2006, and now it's 11 years later. Pain happens in the body. Mm -hmm. And I was very dissociated from my body. To say that pain dominated my thinking, well, you know what? Thinking dominates one's thinking. So what was really happening? I had physical, you know, aches and pains. I I had a lot of... um, you know, issues that cause physical pain. But what's going on in my head? Mm -hmm. You're too fat. You let yourself get this way. You're a no-good slob. If you had taken better care of yourself, you wouldn't be in this kind of pain. This is what you deserve. And that's the narrative that, Mm -hmm. you know, whose voice is that, that I didn't realize. That's what was causing me the pain besides the body pain. Right. So I was in agony in my body and my mind. Mm-hmm. So as the as the pain decreased, I wasn't uh, beating myself up for it as much in my head. I was still doing it for other things, but it seemed to be that I had time to it, think about other things right. or um, sort things out a little more. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second part of your question was people being shut out. Well, our society is not built to accommodate a lot of difference. Mm-hmm. Um you know, we, we see the wheelchair signs on, on um, doors and things. Now, my second book that's coming out in a, in a couple of months will be called From Wheelchair to Warrior. Mm. Uh, I spent two years in a wheelchair, and boy, did I learn that not everything that says accessible is. So, and, and that's just, you know, people on wheels. Now, what about people yeah. who are heavy? Well, seats aren't built to accommodate us. Uh, seats aren't all always built to accommodate um, someone who's heavy. I've broken a few chairs in my time publicly mm-hmm. and with great humiliation. Uh, people want to 
when they see you sitting on an airplane seat, oh god, you know, eye rolling and right. you know, uh movie theater seats weren't accommodating and you know, the world is not built for people of larger size. Let alone the privilege that certain body types have. So, you know, somebody like me who walks out if I was wearing a crop top, mm-hmm. people might feel that they're entitled to make comments. Right. Like, you know, stri- Stretch pants are a privilege, not a right. Or, mm-hmm. well, you know, she's not married probably because, you know, she refuses to lose weight. She's too stubborn as if, you know, mm-hmm. romance and love is only for the thin. And so it's this type of thinking that um, only certain body types and people are, are allowed to have fun and be seen and, and participate in life. Right. Now, you mentioned um, at the, towards the end of your book that that you'll never really be a finished product. Um, you know, we always have work to do. Um, and some time has passed um, since the, the time that you, that you have written that. Um, what have you been up to lately to continue that, that growth? I've been working um, on myself emotionally, and I'm figuring out uh, why I was looking to seek so much comfort in food, which I, you know, I still do. That's still the drug of choice. So, like, what is this deep pain that's causing me to seek relief all the time? And Mm -hmm. so I've been studying and and, and learning about addiction and um, how to, and and people think, you know, oh, well, you have to heal your relationship with food. Mm. No, you have to heal your relationship with yourself. When you stop beating yourself up so much, you're not in so much psychological pain and emotional pain, and you don't have to relieve it as much. Mm -hmm. So let's let's talk about what how your your eating habits now. You're you're very descriptive of them throughout the process of the book. That year after the after the surgery, is there a typical day that exists of you with regards to eating? You know, are you are you still focused on eating healthy? Do you know, has your mindset changed about food in in any way? Yes. For um, a couple of years, I was what you call demand feeding. I was legalizing all foods and just Mm -hmm. ate what I wanted whenever I wanted. And it helped me to not um, have forbidden foods any longer. Right. You know, so if I gave myself full permission to eat two boxes of devil dogs, I know it's physically impossible, but let, let me just say that if I would keep those on hand and said, just eat as many as you want and there's no judgment, mm-hmm. suddenly I didn't crave them as much. Right. And and so that was a great couple of years of just overcoming the whole diet mentality, um, mm-hmm. diet, you know, recovering from all those years of dieting. Unfortunately, because of you know, my metabolism and um, type 2 diabetes, I did gain weight from it. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, now what? After all this non-dieting and diet recovery, what am I going to do now? I can't go back to restrictive dieting. What should I do? And so through uh, trial and error, I I discovered a way to have my cake and eat it too, if you will. Uh So... (laughs) <clears throat> and and not every this eating plan won't fit everyone. I happen to be type two diabetic. I might not be anymore at this point, though. Um, I cut out certain carbs. I'm not okay. on a low carb diet, but 
but I'm on a no-grain diet. No no bread, no rice, no corn. Uh, I don't okay. even eat potatoes, really. Mm-hmm. So a typical day, I keep a lot of protein on hand. Um, hard-boiled eggs, turkey, mm-hmm. chicken, um, beef, because, you know, I, I have anemia as well. You need your B12. Um, and enormous, ridiculously enormous salads mm-hmm. with things like lettuce, cucumber, radishes, you know, very low-impact foods. Right. You know, with a little olive oil, salt, and pepper, it's very filling, and I get to mm-hmm. do all that delightful chewing <laughs> that I love to right. do so much. <laughs> now, let, let me ask you a question, because I'm going to um, – I'll play the part of the skeptic. Uh, but grains are so important, and we need to eat them. So how do you do you what grains do you eat? Cuz it no. sounds like you're really avoiding them. I'm avoiding them. I can't process them. My my mm. blood sugar just can't handle it. So, uh I eat a lot of fruits and vegetables and I get my minerals from that. My vitamins and minerals from fruits and vegetables. No, that's good enough for me. Do you get that though? Do you get people asking you, but you shouldn't do this because with some explanation afterwards? Do you find that a lot? Uh, <laughs> I used to, people people know better now that I'm just going to shut uh-huh. them down and be like, you don't, you don't know. Just just eat what you want and don't worry about what I'm eating. Right. Most people don't anymore because I guess they understand my struggles. But if somebody said, oh, yeah, but you need to eat the quinoa, quinoa, where yeah. I ever pronounce it, yeah. or, or the bulgur, you need to. I'm like, mm, no, I actually don't. And there's plenty of civilizations on this planet, indigenous peoples, who have no access to grains, and they're just fine. Mm. Do we need to just figure out what's right for our body and then just do that and just shut up about everyone else? I mean, is is that really where we need to go with this? In an ideal world, yes. <laughs> we wouldn't give a <laughs> crap so much about what everybody right. else is eating. Who cares? It absolutely is true. Some people do very well on a vegan diet. Some people mm. are great with vegetarians. Some people like their paleo, you know. Mm. You have to see how do you feel? How's your energy level? How's your sex drive? What do your teeth look like? How's your skin? How's your right. energy? You know, and not everybody's going to feel good eating what the next the person next to them is. Right. You know, the one other thing and that I thought is I just kept saying to myself, can can Lisa ever catch a break from anyone here? Um, and I think a lot about other people. Why do you think that people need to make comments to you about what you're eating? And I think of one story, um, and and I think everyone has some kind of story like this, um, where you're eating an apple in front of your father, and you compliment him on his choice of apple um, because he went out and you know uh, selected them from the store, and you're trying to be nice to him and make him feel good. And he makes a comment like, wow, I didn't know you could eat an apple so fast. And, you know, it really hurt you. Um, And here you are working really hard, trying to be healthy. You're eating an apple, for God's sake. And he makes a comment. And I thought, can she catch a break? She can't even eat an apple without being criticized. Um, Why do people do that to you? And why do people do that to others? Well, one is you haven't drawn firm boundaries. Um, If my father is disgusted by watching me eat because he feels like a failure as a father for Mm. having a fat daughter and not being able to marry her off. See, it's all about his insecurities, not mine. Right, right. 
but he projects it on me. I shouldn't be eating in front of him. Right. I, sh- I mean, mean, for my own sake. You should be able to right. eat in front of anybody without being, you know, commented on. Sure. But if I know that that's how he is, then he doesn't get to see me for dinner anymore because he makes comments. Right. So that's his loss right. now. His insecurity right. projected on me. And fat people were targets because pr- our primal reaction to a fat person is, oh, my God, they're a glutton and they're eating my share. Mm-hmm. That's the subconscious story that people have about fat people. So people say, oh, I'm, I mean, I'm just concerned for your health. No, you're not, because <laughs> you just have mm-hmm. a prejudice against fat people. And my eating in front of you makes you uncomfortable. If you cared about my health, why don't you ask about my mental health? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. You know, and one thing that that I find and, you know, I think it's it's important. To, you're so open and honest. It's important um, for all of us to be as well. Um, I I really became frustrated a lot reading your book. And it really made me look at, at myself and my my own prejudice in, it, that I felt in even just reading uh, reading your book. Do you think that people think. Um, and this is this is coming from me. I'll, I'll say I'll say what I thought, um, which is not what I think anymore. But within the spirit of being honest, I'd like to present to you a thought that I had while reading your book, and and that was, she just always seems to be getting into trouble. Why can't she just stay out of trouble? And and I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was my frustration for you. I don't know if it was something about me that I was I was upset about something about me, and I was connecting to it in some way, but. Um, you know, here's someone that doesn't really, you know, I'm not part of your life, um, in, in any impactful, uh, way. Um, you know, why am I having a reaction like that to you? I don't know if you have an answer for that. (laughs) Um, but why, why would I have a reaction like that to what you have to say? Well, partially it must reflect something that you have struggled with or maybe overcome. Mm. And when you see it in someone else, it's like, oh God, I fixed this. Why haven't you fixed this? Yeah. It could Mm. just be that. You have a lot of empathy for me. It could be that you're very smart and observant and did notice an actual pattern of me sabotaging myself. Mm-hmm. When you're raised in a household where there is no peace. Now, remember, I, or I don't know if I mentioned it in the book, but I was viciously bullied in school. Yes. All throughout grammar school and middle school. Then I, was, I would come home and I was viciously bullied by my mother. Mm-hmm. And my father was, you know, kind of emotionally distant and sometimes critical um, so I had no peace. And when you're mm-hmm. raised like that, that's, that's normal. Right. And so any kind of peace and happiness feels so alien and so uncomfortable. It makes one so anxious waiting for mm-hmm. the sabotage, waiting for the bad thing to happen that you just make it happen so that you have this illusion of control. And right. so subconsciously, I did get into trouble all the time. Mm-hmm seeking to ruin my own progress and happiness because how dare I feel peace and happiness. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm going to um, ask you, um, or I'm going to say a couple of phrases or questions to you. Um, we're going to sort of have a little, a little fun, but I want you to answer back to these phrases. Um, yeah. These are things that you mentioned in your book. Um, or that I've heard said, um, and just in speaking with friends and gathering information, some, some phrases that I came, came up with. And I would like to say them, and I would like for you to respond back to me. Um, so the first one is, um, it's not what's on the outside that matters. 
It depends on who you're with because there are plenty of places in this world where you are absolutely judged by what's on the outside. It could be a job interview. It could be the dating world. It could be walking into a family gathering. People are judging. Now, does it Mm -hmm. truly matter? No. But when people treat you a certain way based on your appearance and you want to avoid being harmed, you have to pick your audience. You have to know where you are. And you deserve to pick and choose safer places to be. So it is unfortunate that we are judged by what's on the outside. But does it matter? No, it shouldn't matter to us. But Mm. it matters to others, so we need to be safe. Let's say we're at a a gathering. I come in, and I I walk right up to you, and I say, Oh, here, I made this. Lisa, it's really healthy. You ever get that? (laughs) Yes. How does that make you feel? I will refer to the Bible. If I am at someone's house, I was I was at a I was at someone's house the other day, mm-hmm. and they were so with a big beautiful smile. The the hostess came over and handed me a piece of candy, and she was so eager for me to be glad that it was like a refrigerated. It was a candy, and she she's like, "It's cold. It's from the fridge." <laughs> Thank you so much, and I ate it. Because you eat what's put in front of you, and someone's mm-hmm. feelings are more important than my saying, oh, no, that's not on my eating plan. Right, right. You know, they're, they're not dictating what I eat every day, so who cares? You, you can do that. Somebody's, like, so happy and you're a guest at their home, then mm-hmm. you take a few spoons full and you freaking eat it with a smile on your face because you're a kind person. But when it's people you see every day, mm-hmm. then that's where you have to start making boundaries and saying, no, that's not really on my plan right now. Right. Okay. Um. How about, this is sort of connected to the first one, but I do think it, it's certainly different. Just love yourself the way you are. Yep. Absolutely. Is, poss- is it possible? It is absolutely possible. And you have to start with very simple things like grabbing that part of you, whether it's your belly, your butt, whatever it is that you supposedly mm. think is defective, squeezing it and shaking it and saying, God, I love you so much. Oh, I'm so happy you're with me today. And it's mm. going to seem false at first. Right. But after a while, it, it's, it's going to seem true because you're going to learn to mean it. Absolutely love yourself exactly the way you are. Why wouldn't you? You're perfectly lovable. Mm. Do some people say in a way that could make a person struggling feel offended? Like, that's just not enough right now. It's just easier said than done? Yes, it can be. It's not easy to love yourself. Say, you know what? I can't love myself right now. I am struggling with loving myself. So for now, I will just accept that I can't love myself. Mm. Don't cause yourself stress trying to live up to somebody's happy, crappy idea of, well, you've got to love yourself first before anyone else can love you. Yeah, well, I don't, so shut up. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, even how about doing this? that mm-hmm. is an act of self-love. Right, right. That's a you know that's a great point. You don't have. I think one of the things that you've also you mentioned in your book, or at least that I, that I took out of it, is it it's okay to also say like you know what I'm not there yet, um, and I'm not comfortable, with, or you know I'm just not comfortable with that right now, whatever that may be, right? And it's not um, it's not failure. It's just it's you being honest with yourself and. Um, giving yourself just acknowledgement, right? Um, which uh, which is something that I also 
took took away. So I think that was important as well. Um, has anyone ever just said, you know, what, Lisa, just go on a diet like everyone else if you want to lose weight. You need that surgery. Yeah. Just diet. <laughs> yep. Oh, I've what heard that all my life. What do you say to that? What do you say? Uh, gosh, it hasn't happened in a while. So if somebody just mm-hmm. said that to me now, I would say, what makes you think I'm not? Right. And whether I am or not, nah, I don't really like to talk about it. You know, I would I would find something to say to protect myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would depend on where I am and what the situation is. You know, I had an aunt. She was a, 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 a nurse, and she said, you're so stubborn. Why can't you just lose the weight? Just just stop right. eating. <laughs> and, you know, I, I was meek at the time, but if, if that was now, and she's dead, so I can't say it to her now. Right. <laughs> but I would say, um, so you want me to develop an eating disorder? Is that what you want? You're telling me to starve right. myself? Right. Wow. Um, my last. Uh, phrase. Um, which it, this is my personal favorite, um, and I'll and I'll say I am dead guilty of saying this. Um, you have a pretty face. <laughs> have people said that to you? Yes, and um, you know I had a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. We were babies. I was seventeen. He was seventeen, and he put his hand to my throat. And he says, you know what? You're perfect from here up. Oh. <laughs> now, I was only just a little bit zoftigy back in the day. I wasn't even mm-hmm. fat. I was just, you know, a little voluptuous. And mm-hmm. for him to say that it was devastating. He, now this is many years later. We were 17. I'm 53 now. He's 53. Mm-hmm. He read my book. Mm-hmm. He found my phone number and called me up. Wow. And tearfully tearfully apologized to me. I am so sorry I was a stupid kid. I can't believe I hurt you that way, and I, I, if I could take it back, I would. He says, did you know that I have a, I have a daughter, and she's, she's heavy set, and if anyone ever did that to her, I would kill them. Wow. He says, I can't imagine that I caused you so much pain. Please know how much I regret it and how much I love you and loved you. What do you say to that? You cry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Did that do anything for you? Did that change any anything about the way that you felt? Um, not not that we want others to give us permission to feel certain ways, but did did that change anything knowing that you impacted him? to make that call and that he said these things that he, that he said to you, how did that make you feel? It made me feel like, you know what? We were just stupid kids. And when mm-hmm. people say things like that, not that I want to make excuses for them, right. but to have compassion for the situation to say, if they knew how much that hurt my feelings, they wouldn't be doing it for the most right. part. Some people are just right. mean and they're going to do that. But for the sure. most part, people are trying to give you, it's a backhanded compliment, Yeah. but they're still just trying to say something like, I wish you could participate in the, in the world as a beautiful person because look at that gorgeous face of yours. Yeah. And I feel that you are not being able to be this person I wish you could be. So it's about them more than, mm-hmm. more than me. Right. But I also understand if, 
you know, my father, I, you know, I went back and told him, Daddy, you really hurt my feelings when you did that. And he not only verbally apologized, he wrote me a card and apologized mm. in the card. They don't know wow. they're hurting us. Yeah. Wow. So I have, uh, we have just a little bit of time left, and I have two questions. I'd like to, to push back and probe at you a little bit and see, see what you have to say. Um, so in your book, you talk about um, red carpet acceptable looks, and, uh, and you, you brought that up tonight as well. And you, you, you mentioned in the book that that's what's keeping us from living our lives to the, the fullest. And I know there you're really you're talking about more like the um, like a psychological emotional impact. Um, you you call um, it uh, uglification, um, and and sort of saying like that these standards are so high, right? They really prevent us from from living our lives to the fullest. Um, and I understand that, but I I do question: um, is there is there not also a real scientific definition of healthiness or of what a body, a human body should look like or how the body should be working or, or, or all of those things. It, it, is there a science behind our health and what our body shape should be? is individual. Now, I'm not talking about these, you know, people who are on my 600-pound life, for instance. Mm-hmm. That's an extreme. It's obviously unhealthy. But when it right. comes to having some extra fat on the body, I'm going to ask, what do your blood tests look like? What's your mm-hmm. lung capacity? Can you climb stairs with ease? Can you, you know, uh, go through your day-to-day? What kind of aches and pains do you have? Because there are plenty of people who do have fat on their bodies, and would right. be considered morbidly obese, you know, by mm-hmm. the uh, medical uh, standards, who are doing martial arts, who are running, who are very physical, who have great lung capacity, who have str- and they just happen to, to be heavy. Right. Then there's people who are heavy and they have no lung capacity and they don't feel well. Then there's very thin people who are terribly sickly, but because they're thin, we have this idea that they're healthy. That's so right. it does vary by individual but um, I would say you'd have to look at, uh, again, ability. Right. And stamina and strength and things of na- that nature when we're defining health. So, and then my final question is related to this, and I, th- and I think you, def- you absolutely touched, I think, maybe 50% or more of the answer that I, that I would be seeking for the second question. Um, but how, how do we balance the want, to love all body types and still say that, and I think this is the part you touched on, like a certain weight is unhealthy, right? But, but without villainizing fat, that, that was one thing that I really struggled with. How do we not villainize fat? And one, one thing that you mentioned, and I think this might be the key, so I'd like for you to talk about it. You mentioned fat being value neutral, does that play into the way we don't villainize fat anymore? Yes. If you say it's okay to be fat and mm-hmm. mean it, then we're just fine. However, mm-hmm. we are constantly being bombarded with ideas to the contrary. And that's because uh, 
we live in a free market economy where people have to sell us things. It, whether it's a car or a diet pill, they have to make us feel that we are lacking or wanting for something in order to get us to buy it. So there are constant messages telling us that fat is bad, bellies are bad, belly fat is bad, being big is bad. And and how how can you cope against them? You either have to shut them out, stop believing them, you know, move to the woods, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know. You have to stop believing that old is bad, fat is bad, you know, all these things that we're being told to make us buy things. Right. Um, but not to villainize it. Well, the real villains are people who are torturing other people, who who mm. are taking advantage of the innocent, who are committing violent crimes. That's villainous. Having a body type, it's ludicrous to think that there's something villainous about having a body type. Mm. Yeah. Well, we are out of time, and I just feel like we have so much more to talk about. I would love to, um, in, in one of my future shows, to have you back again, because I just think that it, it's so wonderful to have a conversation with you, and um, and I, I think it's so important to talk about these topics, and specifically to have your voice added into this conversation. So I hope you'll come back in the future. Absolutely, and you know, Diary of a Fat Girl is the book that's out now, but the new one will be called From Wheelchair to Warrior. And hey, I'll come and talk about that. That would be wonderful. And I just want to add that if you're um, if you're listening on Blog Talk Radio, uh, you can uh, see a photo of Lisa will appear uh, with her uh, Twitter handle. Um, also, we have links to um, anything that you need to to interact with her online. Her Instagram account. Also, I have a link to uh, Amazon for people to um, purchase your book and they absolutely should. It's, it's wonderful. And I think everyone should, should read it. Um, you don't just, um, learn about weight loss. It's, it's hardly what it's, it's about. And in a sense, um, I got so much more out of it. Um, so I want to thank you for, for sharing that with us because I, I believe that I got something out of it, uh, a positive, and I got help from the from this book, and I think everyone can. So thank you so much for for taking the time and and sharing your life um, in that book because it's really wonderful. So um, please go onto Amazon and the link below and and uh, and purchase it. Um, and 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 that's it. So thank you so much, Lisa, for joining me, and I can't wait to have you back again. Thank you for your wonderful questions, and thank everybody for listening. Thank you. Have a wonderful night. You too. Thank you again to Lisa. Uh, I'm so happy to to have her with me and for being so open and honest and really sharing her experience and her life and her advice. And I think whether you agree or disagree with uh, what she says, it uh, doesn't matter. I think that there's um, a lot you can take from it and just and how you deal with people, how you deal with yourself. Um, it, it's incredibly important. And I think it's a conversation that we all need to continue having. Um, and I certainly will be reflecting on our conversation um, for a long time to, to come. And we're going to turn things around a little bit right now because it's time for some pop culture chat. Hey, Carrie. Hi, how you doing? 
All right. Um, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you? Wonderful. Um, so would you would you think were you listening into this interview? What did you think about it? I was. I I liked very much what she had to say. I would be very interested to talk to her about it sometime because I've had definitely similar issues, and mm-hmm. I would also be interested in hearing about the uh, wheelchair to warrior thing because what really got me was how she was talking about you will see the we uh, the wheelchair kind of like pictures everywhere but it doesn't actually mean that it's very accessible for people so yeah. that's that's true I've been having to deal with that a lot recently you know I had um and I'll you know leave names out but I had an experience with a friend um in a wheelchair um and I was you know, happily pushing my friend in the wheelchair. And um, uh, obviously every, with the place we were at was supposed to be like just entirely wheelchair accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and it was horrible. Um, and it was, it was really difficult because um, it, it was not, nothing was wheelchair accessible in this place, no. despite it saying so. And um, it was difficult to navigate, to move my friend. Um, and the, um, horrible situation that it also put me in as someone who was trying to care for my friend um, to say something like, uh, like, Oh my God, I can't even push you right now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, 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 you know, you risk sounding like this, you know, horrible monster, but thank God, yeah. you know, you're, it's your friend and they understand. But, um, and that, and that's me pushing a wheelchair, like forget about like, thank God, uh, you know, I don't, need to rely upon one um so i can't even imagine and this is just one one experience for a couple of hours and i couldn't even handle it because i'm a big baby um <laughs> but like uh, you know you can't even imagine so i'm really excited to read that book yeah um, yeah there's a lot of things you don't think about until you have to think about it kind of th- it doesn't really come up until you have a personal experience right you know and i think that's Uh, I thought it was so interesting um, how Lisa was talking about, like, um, most of the times people are saying rude things or inappropriate things or things to to hurt her um, that, you know, most of the time it's just because people didn't, you know, didn't know. She didn't say the word ignorance. Mm -hmm. I I will. Um, (laughs) uh, But, you know, there's there's an ignorance. And I felt it, too, uh, you know, as I was reading reading the book, a lot of times I was like, well, like, why don't you just do this? And then I'm like, Mike, you're being, mm-hmm. you're being an asshole now. And <laughs> uh, it's because you don't understand. So just read and shut up for a minute. Um, Which I, I is think interesting. Every- it's, it's very good that you had that thought because most people will just be like, no, I'm going to continue on with this uh, thought <laughs> and not think about who right. is having this issue and why I'm just going to go on and, and do what I do. Right. So that's why most people will say they're stupid, ignorant, terrible thing because they won't put themselves into other people's shoes. Right. Well, and I'll let you say that that was nice because I can't do that. I have to keep being like, no, I'm horrible. Um, <laughs> I mean, you, you're very horrible, but in this in this case, you were good. You. you just don't need another white man patting himself on the back for being yeah. nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, all right, let's get to some pop culture chat. So, um, so let's talk a bit about a bit about Mariah Carey. Oh, um, Mariah. Yeah. So what's been going on with her lately? Uh, there's a video that was up of her um, performing one of her songs. I think she's on tour with uh, Lionel Richie, maybe. Um, I have to look it up again. But 
I, she's not moving at all. She's doing like the, like the bare minimum possible right. for entertainment purposes. Like she has never been a dancer, but she's kind of just like moving her arms, maybe like an inch to the right, an inch to the left, and then like let somebody dip her. And somebody put up the video and then someone sliced it with um, a, like a performance of the same song from the World Music Awards in 1999 and mm-hmm. from her Around the World DVD, which where she used to do a lot more. And not right. even like Beyonce level dancing, just like movement. And she's not yeah. anymore. And her ex-choreographer is basically saying like she's not a mover she's never been a mover but now she's surrounded with people that don't care and they're not guiding her they're not directing her so she's just she's losing her star power a little bit and i kind of agree i've seen uh, a lot of people say in articles and stuff like well she's mariah carey she doesn't have to do that which i understand completely she is famous for having this like amazing voice And she did, but her voice is not where it used to be. She kind of needs to put a little bit of effort into things or just stop. Like, her voice is not where it was. She still sounds lovely, but she's not 25 anymore. And I think that, like, she won't recognize that. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I saw one of these videos, and Mm -hmm. she looked like... I, there's no other just bored like she was yes. bored and I and I just sort of think like are you bored is there something that's like keeping you there that you like feel like you have to keep doing this because you look like you don't want to do it and I mean you know part of me is like well then just stop Mariah like you're fine you can live your life out yeah, like, you don't need more money now but I'm sure she can like make money doing just like not even performances, right. just appearances places. Because people right. just love to see her be her weird, like, shady yes, self. because she, she's wonderful. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would love to see her just, like, um, just, like, <laughs> no dance. Like, why does she need to dance anyway? Like, the, like yeah. I mean, the person's right. She never really was like that, you know? So it's almost like she's, I wonder if, I wonder if she experiences pressures to, and you, you sort of touch on that to like keep up with what's sort of going on now, but that, you know, yeah. that's sort of stupid too, because like, you know, at her height, you know, the dancing and everything's still incredibly popular. It just wasn't mm-hmm. her. So I don't know. I, yeah. get, I get frustrated because I'm like, Mariah, just be like yourself. And I would like to uh, just also add in that um, a, uh, an anonymous source has confirmed that uh, she is on tour with Lionel Richie. Okay, good. I knew it was him. I was pretty sure. But then I was like, wow, I don't have it right in front of my face. So I'll probably say it's Lionel Richie and it's like Lionel the train or something. Lionel, that was the train. I was thinking (laughs) Thomas the train, Thomas the tank engine, and then I put Lionel. I don't know. There was was a process in my thoughts. Just with a train on tour. Just with a train. On tour, so is she on, on tour. tour on the I, train, or does like a train? Maybe just, like, I think that would be good for her. I I saw this picture of her being carried in on like a white shade lounge, uh-huh. and I would I would be transported like that everywhere if I could. So I understand <laughs> that. Um, 
And I just think she should be moved around by different things. And maybe it'll be like a cool, different show. So she doesn't have to dance. She just has to have different apparatuses moving her. (laughs) Um, Well, I hope she's listening. I know we're so popular that she definitely is. Um, So uh, get on that, Mariah's people. Um, So, um, Okay, so here's something that you and you and I uh, lightly de- I can't say that we debated this, but we, we <laughs> lightly discussed um, talking about Taylor Swift tonight or not talking about Taylor mm-hmm. Swift um, because it's a serious topic because it's dealing with groping, um, mm-hmm. and you know I this is something <laughs> groping is something that you're really passionate about, Carrie, um, and uh, but I saw it as. Um, like really empowering. Um, uh-huh. And so I, I wanted to talk about it. So um, could you tell us a bit of what's the deal with this Taylor Swift groping ordeal? She uh, was taking a picture. I think the guy, he worked at a radio station or something. He was a DJ. I'm, I'm not entirely mm-hmm. sure. He did I'm work going- on radio. Yeah, and there's a picture. He, She was taking a picture with someone, and he got in the picture with them. And she is saying that he put his hand under her skirt and, put like, groped her ass. And there is a picture where you can see his hand is way further down than it would be if he, it was just, like, on her back or around her waist. Right. So that's what she's claiming happened. And in the picture, you can see she looks uncomfortable. I think most women will recognize that space of like, I do not want to be here right now, but I can't really say anything. Right. Uh, And so she's saying that this happened and it got the guy fired. And so he's suing, I think like counter suing or something, but she's, he's basically like, no, that not happened. That's not what happened. I was moving. I was trying to do this. I was trying to do that. And uh, she's not having it. Like, even his lawyers are just like, well, his lawyers are bringing up, like, the worst comments you can bring up because that's what happens in these sort of cases. Just like, right. well, why didn't you do this? Or why didn't you do that? And I think he, the lawyer was like, weren't you upset about your um your security people not intervening? And she's like, no, I was upset that your client touched my ass (laughs) right she was not having it which was it that is very empowering she's like nope i am not letting you say any of these terrible things like Uh, yeah and i I thought that's what was really interesting was uh, because i think what i like about what i simultaneously like and dislike about this is that um it clearly points out the the lengths people will go to blame someone uh, Mm -hmm. who who is a victim um, because yeah, the comments were just so, yeah, it was like, why doesn't your security personnel do this? Why uh-huh. didn't you do that? Like if it was that bad, then why didn't, you know, and she kept just wrapping back around to, um, no, remember the, the person to blame is the guy who grabbed my ass. Uh-huh. Um, and it's, you know, it's sad that that even needs to happen. Uh, but I thought that was interesting, especially because something with someone so high profile, um, yeah. To to really hear it. Cause I don't think we, again, if you don't know about it, then you don't really, you know, you're not experiencing it. You don't understand. Um, mm-hmm. so I don't think we hear about these things a lot, but I think that's something that goes, that goes on 
a lot. It's you know if the the victim is blamed for their whatever their reaction is, they mm-hmm. find some way to twist it. Yeah, um, and that even like a lot of things you hear about it, especially in like the movie industry or the music industry, you hear about men being able to get away with things because they are like in positions of power and you will not believe the women being like, well, this guy did this to me. Cause you'd be like, okay, well you just want a payout or you want this right. and you want some publicity. And it, even women that are very, very famous will not go through that kind of stuff because Kesha be, being like the perfect example, she wasn't able mm-hmm. to perform or do new music for the longest time because she was, she was, in the contract disputes because she is claiming that her, her, um, her producer was sexually assaulting her. Right. And why it is just kind of like, why would anyone go through that if they didn't have to? And even if it's like, these things do happen, that makes sense why people are just like, no, I'm not going to say anything, but Mm -hmm. it's very, I think it's very brave of Taylor to be like, I have to say something because, this happened to me and even though it's gonna cause a whole mess of shit like she has the money to fight it and the position to be able to talk about it and make it more of a thing right well i hope um there's really there's no um ending to this right now because they're sort of like right in the middle of all this right so um You know, I'm sure, unfortunately, this will still be going on for some time to come. So you and I can revisit this for sure. Um, and, and One see nice what thing I want to say that's mm-hmm. kind of cool is that there are, um, I think there's fans in like the office across the street from the court. And every day they have like um, something on the windows that will say haters gonna hate or like I knew you were trouble or something like that written all out right. post it so she can see it so I don't know if she does see it but it's just a little like positive message of like we're with you kind of thing so that's kind of nice yeah that's nice that's great um let's <laughs> let's, let's talk about uh Brittany now um oh Brittany poor Brittany she's back right. after a after touring the world. Yeah, back and then in, like a little vacation. She doing her show, which to, I want to see. Yeah. I, so, do you? Wait. I do. do you? I love Brittany. <laughs> I love her. She does okay. what she does. She's great. She's I'll, great. So I'll Amanda rushed the stage at her yeah. show in Las Vegas last night. And Apparently, he was being, like, erratic during the show, so they were trying to get him to, like, leave, but he rushed the stage and started dancing, and he did, like, a flip, so I feel like some people were thinking maybe this is part of the show, right. but it wasn't, so at the end of the, uh, at the end of the number, because I think they were at the end of it, a bunch of, like, her backup dancers just swarmed him and took him down, <laughs> and then security right. was able to get in there, too, and... Brittany didn't even notice at first. She was just like, okay, I hope everyone's having fun. And then she noticed, she's like, what's going on? Oh my goodness. It's like, it's kind of a funny video just because of that. And everyone's okay. So it's good. Um, But they arrested the guy and he looks 
uh, appropriately insane. Like he's yes, smiling he in his mugshot. I'm looking at him right now. <laughs> yeah, there's something wrong in those eyes. Oh, there is. He's not quite right. Um, no. Might just be she, drunk. Did she come back out? I'm actually, I'm like scouring the article for this. And I not... have no idea. I can't find anything about it. Yeah, the only thing I actually I, one thing that I noticed, which I didn't I didn't realize, like she, I think she really got spooked because uh, she's quoted yeah. um, it's saying that he's got he's got a gun asking a question. Yeah, she was asking about that. Yeah, yeah which she was I, really I, scared. Well, you know, I can imagine, especially after um, you, the like terrorist attack um, yes, at the Ariana Grande. I think right? Ariana. Yeah. Yeah. I was um, thinking that because that's got to be on performers' minds. It has to be. And someone storms the stage and you say, oh, it's like, uh, they're going to shoot people, I guess. You know, I yeah. mean, I, I would probably, you know, I'm sure I would think this. As, as a fan being in the audience, I would maybe even think um, something like that. I think that's something we, we would all probably have on our minds. Um, yeah, but yeah, I don't know. It happens it nowadays. Got her away safely, obviously. Yeah, um, she's, everybody's good. She was on the other side of the stage. They had the guy, like, on the ground. So right. I don't think there was any, like, immediate threat to her at that point. But I don't know if she went back on after. I saw something saying, like, oh, she's coming back. She has a show Friday. But I don't know if maybe there was a show Thursday that got canceled or if maybe right. she just never had a show Thursday. I'm not sure. Right. So did that show end completely? Like, the, like that happened? And then, like, just, and I, I hope, did she come back out? I can't like find night? anything about that. I'm not sure. I, I could completely understand it if she, if she yeah. was like, I gotta go sit down now and like hug my kids for 300 years. Right. So I, I feel I, like I don't she know. came back out and kept performing. I love how I'm entirely horribly critical of her, and then the next moment I'm like, she definitely came back out. I, I think she would want to put on a show. Do you hate Britney, Michael? I don't hate Britney. <laughs> I'm going to get I into, just, like, some curtains right now and film myself screaming for you to leave her alone. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. I just – I would understand if you could, like – if you were able to make a quick trip to Vegas to see her. I okay. don't know why someone would travel a long distance to see her there. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Okay, okay. <laughs> Oh boy. Okay. Well, uh, that's it tonight for pop culture. Um, so I, I hope you'll come back in uh, for the next show in two weeks. Will, will oh, you I hope return? I will too. I, I, I'll, I'll try. I, I always wait with bated breath. I never know if yeah. you're going to truly return each week. <laughs> I'm like a magical creature. You don't know if I'll come back. <laughs> will you, will you, uh, stay on with me as I close out the show. You, you sure. up for that? Okay, I wonderful. <laughs> Did you just say you're wonderful? You, I thought you said that. Is there somebody else in here? <laughs> Not that I know of. Is there someone I'm going to have to your... listen to it again. I might have said it, but now I can't remember all of a sudden. I mean, I said wonderful. Maybe you're okay. just, you wanted a compliment, so you took it. <laughs> well, you said it, you just said no, I didn't say I didn't you're say wonderful. I said oh. it was wonderful that you were staying. Okay, but then you asked if I said something about your... Let's just argue later. Okay. Well, I, I will... You know, let's just... You are wonderful, Carrie. I know! <laughs> <laughs> okay, and so I think people are um, 
sufficiently sick of us now. So yeah, um, this yeah. this will conclude the show. Um, so I want to thank the um, inspirational uh, Lisa Sarjade. If you're listening to me on Blog Talk Radio, please check out the links below uh, and visit any of the websites uh, for her Instagram, her Twitter, and definitely buy that book. Support her, please. Um, if you're hearing me on iTunes, remember you're only a quick web search away um, from supporting Lisa, so please do so. As always, thank you to Carrie Childers for joining me live tonight. Um, I'll be back in two weeks with more pop culture chat. John Lynn will be with me discussing summer films. I'll have some uh, new music, uh, and we'll have a great time. So thanks so much for listening. This is Mike Lyons. I'm not important and don't have much to say.